This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of uh, what, what are we doing here? We're doing Cruise Radio. Sorry about that. Uh, this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Harmony of the Seas this week. Also, Sherry Laskin dropping by with Cruise News. I got thrown off at the beginning of the show because I just recorded my Cruise Radio News Briefs. And speaking of that, a good segue. If you want to listen to the Cruise Radio News Briefs Monday through Friday, three things you need to know every day. Subscribe to our Cruise Radio News podcast feed. It's separate from this one, but we'd love to have you over there. As long as you keep showing up, I'll keep doing it. All right, Sherry is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So literally like minutes after we recorded last week, Carnival comes out with naming their XL ship. That's the 180,000 ton ship, um, the Mardi Gras. My question is to you, what do you think about them using a name from 1972 in 2020? Well, you're probably going to laugh, but I like it. You know, I'm a retro type person anyway, so I'm excited. I was at the University of Miami in 1972 and when we heard that the ship had hit a sandbar just off the port, uh, off of Port of Miami, but that was before it was called Port Miami. A whole bunch of us went down there to see a little speck of the ship out on the horizon, just sort of stuck for a while. So I think it's great that they're using the name, and it, you know, it's a first in a new class of ship. It's a 50th anniversary coming up, so they have some reasons for doing that. I think. Um, and it won't launch until 2020 anyway, and it's going to be up in my neck of the woods at Port Canaveral, so I'm pretty excited. So it makes me wonder if they'll use another throwback name for their next XL class ship. I was wondering that, too, in the Carnival and, and all those. Well, who knows? The Tropical? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they just might. You know, just start. From, you can, there's so many duplicate names now mm-hmm. that, it, you know, if they want to start from scratch and move their way forward, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Royal Caribbean, they're dumping their DreamWorks partnership after, like, what, eight years? Yeah, it's not been that long. You know, and I guess the scuttlebutt that I hear people talking about is that uh, passengers just aren't that interested anymore. They're doing more active um, experiences on the ship. So beginning April 1, DreamWorks will no longer be on the Royal Caribbean ships. It's only on nine anyway, but, uh, you know, that includes... uh, the cartoon characters from what Madagascar and, and Shrek. And yeah, it, it started on the Allure. I remember when the Allure came out in 2010. That's when DreamWorks debuted. And uh, the other ships that have the experience are the Anthem, Freedom, Harmony, Liberty Oasis, Ovation, Quantum, and Voyager. So uh, you're okay if you're cruising before April 2nd. You'll still have the DreamWorks experience on those ships. But after that, it's gone. You also have to think of licensing for these characters because, I mean, for DreamWorks, that is not cheap. Yeah, if it doesn't, you know, if the return on investment mm-hmm. isn't there, it's, it's, it has to cost a fortune to yeah. be in conjunction with DreamWorks. And speaking of Royal, they're building a new terminal and a Gulf Coast port. They are. They're going to put a third terminal down in the port of Galveston. It's going to cost somewhere near $100 million, but it has been confirmed they're going to do that. So... You know, they're probably thinking they're going to bring in an Oasis-class ship to Texas. The new terminal is set to open, um, not until the fall of 2021. So if you're in a hurry to jump on one of the Oasis-class ships, you have a little bit of a wait, but it'll happen. Have you seen Royal Caribbean's new terminal in Port Miami yet? Uh, What is it, Terminal A? 
No, I haven't. Uh, yeah, it's really slick looking. I wow. the person I was with a couple of weeks ago down there, they they were like, "You leave Port Miami this way," and it was not the way to leave Port Miami. It dead ended us right into Royal Caribbean's new terminal. So I got to look at it, and it was really really slick. So looking forward to sailing out of that one one day. Um, Miami, speaking of, just broke a cruise passenger record. Yes, they did, and it happened last. Sunday, an estimated 52,000 passengers descended on Port Miami uh, as they were either debarking or going to embark, and it actually set a one-day record for passenger traffic. It was nine different ships uh, from seven cruise lines were there, and again, I can go through the list, but you can imagine it's all the majors were there, plus one high-speed catamaran. So I can only imagine the parking structures trying to get in and out, and I'm just glad I wasn't there. Well, now, there were a few people that were embarking and disembarking, some listeners that kind of checked in with me on Twitter and on oh, Facebook, nice. and a couple of them said it was flawless, and a couple of them said it was a hot mess, so we'll go somewhere in between. Yeah, I was at um, Port Everglades on a Sunday coming back, and, and there were 12 ships in port. Don't ask, 12? Yeah. yeah, there were, and this was, oh God, this must have been several years ago, but I sat in the parking garage, that big one across from terminals, uh, you know, 21 and 22, mm-hmm. two and a half hours to get out of the garage. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, it was awful. I don't think that's ever happened again, but uh, I'm glad the one in Miami went a lot better. And imagine the airport, how crowded that was that day. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it was crowded Sunday, too, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that would be fun. Well, let's see. A cruise ship hit a cruise pier, a dock in Key West, and it looks like that dock is out of commission for a little while now. Yeah, it did. The incident happened at Key West, uh, the popular Mallory Square, on November 27th. So it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but the Silver Sea, Silver Spirit was attempting to sail away. It had gotten clearance to leave, but there were really high winds. So as the ship left, it couldn't quite make the turnaround, and it ended up crashing into one of the cement pilings. Ouch. Um, The ship sustained only some scratches, and some of the paint got nicked, but the uh, cement piling was totally destroyed, and the damage is about a half a million dollars. So for the next three months, that pier is not going to be open, but fortunately for um, Key West lovers that like to cruise there, two other piers will be open and are open. Uh, One is Margaritaville, and the other one is at the Truman Waterfront Park. Listener question comes from Katie in South Carolina. When is the best time to board a ship on embarkation day? You know, that's that's a great question, and every time I'm heading out on a cruise, I think, okay, what time should I go to get the least amount of of traffic uh, to to board? I hate those lines where they snake through the Disney-type court, you know, cordons, the ropes. And I've found... um, my favorite time, and I will forego the, the Lido uh, buffet lunch just to do this, is to get there about 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. If all aboard, you know, if the final boarding is at 4, um, I'll pull into the parking lot about 2.30, quarter of 3, and just take my time, just breeze right through embarkation. But if you do want to get there for the luncheon, you know, I would suggest getting there and getting your – if you're driving, if you're driving – Get in the garage about 10.30, quarter of 11, and don't rush. Um, but, you, you know, you're going to hit a little bit of a crowd. You may be towards the front of the crowd, depending on how they conduct the embarkation. But if you just want to get there and not worry and not, you know, have to sit around and wait, just come, around, come about an hour and a half before uh, the last call for boarding is. That's what I like to do. Yeah, rush hour is pretty much around, like, I would say between 11 and 2. Is that safe to say? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Years ago, when I worked at uh, I worked at Port Canaveral, learning immigration and how to check people in. I just wanted to get a hands-on feel for what it was, and we were swamped from eleven to just like you said, two o'clock. I mean, it was such a crunch, and then it was you know taper down, and the last stragglers would trickle you know trickle into the doors and. They they were stressed less, you know, unless they were running late. But huh, for the most part, um, later is much less crowded, and people aren't, you know, getting a little antsy or hungry. You know, if, if someone had just flown in and we're up at four o'clock in the morning and they haven't eaten, and they get to the terminal and they can't board until eleven or eleven thirty. Sometimes boarding is delayed if there's yeah. a impromptu CDC inspection. You're going to be waiting there, so. I don't like waiting, so I just get there later. Yeah, I'm with you on the late thing. The other day, whenever I was on Carnival Breeze, well, last month in November, um, we got there at 2.15, and we walked straight from the curb to the ship, and it was like seven and a half minutes we were actually on board the ship. So for me, later is better. I, I realize people want to get every second out of their vacation, so if you want to go early, get there early. And by the way, if you have a listener question, drop me a line, Doug at cruiseradio.net, D-O-U-G at cruiseradio.net. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from cruisemaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. Every day, thousands of cruisers set sail to the Caribbean and are increasingly choosing their shore excursions through CruisingExcursions.com. Why Cruising Excursions? With prices up to 60% lower than cruise lines, around-the-clock customer service, and guarantees that give you a peace of mind, why not? So whether you're looking to zipline in Jamaica, snorkel in Nassau, or see Mayan ruins in Mexico, market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com has you covered. Book your family's next shore excursion at cruisingexcursions.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Parker and his family just returned from a seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing aboard Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas, and he joins us on the line. Hey, bud, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing? Good, man. Can't wait to hear about this. I, I sailed the ship back in, well, about two years ago when it first came to the U.S. and haven't heard much about it since then. So excited to talk all about Harmony of the Seas, which was then the world's largest ship. Of course, uh, a couple others out since then. But uh, before we get to the ship itself, let's take a step back and uh, give us some pre-cruise thoughts about Harmony. Basically, it was pretty simple for us. Our son was graduating, and when our kids graduate, they always get to choose the trip they get to go on after their graduation. And so our youngest decided he wanted to go on the uh, biggest, best ship out there. And that was Harmony at the time. And so it made it pretty simple. It was just a matter of Eastern or Western. And he was sick of going to Mexico. We go there quite often. So we went ahead and chose the Eastern Caribbean and did the uh, planning started from there. It was pretty much on the, in his, the ball was in his court. What a tough life. Dad, I'm tired of going to Mexico. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're a little spoiled. That, that's awesome. So you, you're out in Vegas, and you made your way to Fort Lauderdale. Any pre-cruise stay? Yeah, we stayed at the uh, Four Point Sheraton near the cruise port. Got in a couple days early because Southwest had a spectacular deal, saved us a buttload of money on uh, airfare. So we got in a couple days early, actually, this time. Stay was great. It was close to walking distance to restaurants and all the food and shopping you could need. The only bummer was is where I booked it through. They advertised a uh, free shuttle to the cruise port. It was actually $8 per person. So that was probably the only downside to it. it was, that was unexpected. I should have done more research on myself and not just booked it through the vendor I did. 
it was a great place to stay. It's plenty to do there in Fort Lauderdale. You know, because that does add up. Like you had like six people traveling with you, so that's like what forty something bucks each way. More than that, when you throw a tip in there, so like companies like Lyft and Uber are always good, and they're really cheap. Like you could go from the airport to Port Everglades, the cruise pier, for like ten bucks in an Uber. It's really affordable. Yeah, we, that's what we ended up doing. We had eight total, and we ended up doing two Lyft Pluses, mm-hmm. and it was still, even after tipping out the Lyft drivers, it was still about, I think, $10 cheaper yeah. uh, using two Lyfts versus a shared shuttle. Yeah, totally. So uh, you make your way to Port Everglades. Terminal 18 is where Harmony of the Seas docks. How was the embarkation for you? It was smooth, testing out the new uh, expedited uh, boarding with a lure. And so I wasn't sure if we were going to get the same type of thing or not. We didn't. We got a traditional check-in where we uh, went through security and uh, went to the desks to check in. But when we pulled up, there was plenty of porters. They grabbed our luggage right away, got in to the check-in, curb to ship within about 15 minutes. The way that they do it with the Harmony, you know, you do a lot of pre-board check-in, you're able to upload photos if you follow the directions. They didn't have to take our photos or anything. They just verified the documents, made sure my card covered everybody's cabins and sent us on our way. So it was very quick. You mentioned that they were testing out like expedited embarkation on a lure of the seas. What is that all about? On certain sailings, they're testing like a facial recognition where basically you just walk into the terminal and from what I understand, there's just people with pads, iPads there to help you out if you need to. Otherwise, you just continue walking through to the ship, not having to stop at a check-in point. As long as your documents are in, in order, you just walk straight onto the ship. You make your way on board the ship. What were your first impressions of Harmony? Different. I mean, I'm a kind of a cruise, a traditional cruiser, so... It was kind of weird walking in, and I literally felt like I was in a shopping mall. Mm-hmm. You know, this was our first time on Harmony, and you actually got any of the Oasis classes. And we just walked in, and I didn't really feel like I was on a cruise ship. That was actually the first words out of my son's mouth, which he kind of liked it. He liked the feel of it. Cool art, just people everywhere. They had quite a few uh, people from the ship there to help out, kind of point you in the right direction. It wasn't necessarily you know a help desk type situation, but it was more along the lines of answering your question and more or less pushing you along, um, mm-hmm. trying to find a, what destination you're looking for and moving you as quickly to that area as possible. I'm assuming just to help with the crowd control. They do board the ship on two different locations, but it does kind of back up a little bit um, at times, I was noticing. What's the first thing you did once you got on board? Um, as soon as we got on board, we just kind of walked around the promenade, checked it out. It was you know, gorgeous. The ship is you know, just spotless. And uh, we did our traditional grab a drink and start exploring. Uh, went down to the lower decks and worked our way up. You know, we had to check out the ice rink, you know, the casino, just kind of see all the different venues on the ship. We like to get ourselves uh, situated uh, as far as where everything is before we start sailing. Totally. You make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? Uh, we booked the boardwalk balconies. Our son really wanted a Central Park, but by the time we got around to actually booking, they were already sold out. So we took the boardwalk which was kind of cool because you get some perks with booking those interior balconies. So you got the free Johnny Rockets and free soda packages and things. The room was great. Uh, layout's a little different than I'm used to just because of uh, assuming how they have to kind of squeeze the cabins in there. So we had plenty of storage, but it didn't feel as open as we're used to with balcony cabins. There was no table in front of the uh, couch or anything like that. But all in all, it fit us perfectly. The room was great, at least at the beginning. So it, we did run into some issues that night, uh, we realized how loud it was. Mm-hmm. It was kind of caught us off guard. It was fairly quiet when we first got there, but by the night, 
when that water show goes, it just booms inside your rooms. And, you know, the shows usually start wrapping up around 10, 30, 11, but you could hear people up on the basketball courts and the ping pong tables screaming and yelling. It almost felt like there was somebody outside our balcony screaming in our room up until about one o'clock at night when curfew was. So I was kind of shocked to see that they didn't offer or just place earplugs in the state rooms for these rooms because we had a total of four Mm -hmm. and all four of us had issues. We ended up, some of them went down and got some earplugs from guest services, which are complimentary. You can just go down and ask and they'll give them to you. But it was surprisingly loud. That's interesting because the location and how loud it is. So is that guarantee balcony or was that like an assigned one? No, it was assigned. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely assigned, and it wasn't just our our cabin. I mean, there was times, a couple nights throughout the cruise, the Aqua Theater's TVs just randomly came on around one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, and were just blaring Red Bull TV, and it was enough that I went out to the balcony and almost every balcony in the boardwalk section had people out trying to figure out what was going on. Huh. So it's not just isolated to a specific room location. It seems like everybody was having the same issues as far as the noise goes. For the dining, we'll, uh, we'll talk about dining here uh, for Harmony of the Seas. Well, first off, what, what time dining did you have? I call it your time dining. I don't remember what they call it on uh, Royal, but it was a little different than what we're used to as well. The large group, we take that chance with the your time. Sometimes you have to wait, but with the Harmony, you're able to make reservations, which was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. We made reservations before we boarded and it was great the first night was a little chaotic uh, the ship definitely has logistic issues as far as how the staff you know helps with the flow of traffic throughout the cruise but we got to dining got in line for the reservation line because there's a non-reservation line as well uh, got all the way through and then we're told that we had to go get into another line for groups there's no signage or no one there to talk to us beforehand so it was kind of disappointing that we sat there for 15 minutes waiting in line and then had to go stand another 10 minutes in another line. But after that first night, it was flawless. We walked in at our assigned time, waved to the uh, group's coordinator for the dining room and walked straight to our table. It was very nice. So we didn't get escorted by any staff members after the first night. It was just kind of come as you are and go have a seat and enjoy. So it turned out pretty good. They have a couple of main dining rooms on that ship. Did you do the same dining room every night? Yes. uh, They do assign your dining So there's three levels, and we were in Silk, which is the top level on deck five. Mm -hmm. And the Silk dining room, and I don't remember the other one, but the dining room on deck four, both of those are actually assigned for your time dining. Based off how everything else was running on the ship, I'm assuming if you're after uh, after midship, Mm -hmm. then you're in Silk. If you're forward of midship, then you're probably in the deck for your time dining um, because they pretty much split everything that way for anything to do with the ship. And then the deck three dining room was for your assigned dining times. Okay. And uh, as far as your service in there and the food, how was that? Spectacular. Um, Our servers were amazing. Uh, Very engaging with our family. Our family is not very shy. So we kind of pull people into our our group and I kind of felt bad because I almost feel like we took our servers away from other tables longer than we should have, but they were very engaging. During a conversation, the assistant server who's from India realized that I enjoy Indian food. And he actually two nights uh, went down to their crew mess hall and brought me up the Indian food offerings that they offer the crew, which I thought was kind of nice. It was, yeah. you know, I walked out over still because I didn't realize he was doing it the first night and uh, ordered my normal dinner. And then he brought me a whole nother dinner on top of it. But 
It was kind of a unique experience. I've never had that happen before. And it was a little bit different. And the food was, you know, it's Royal Caribbean does a really good job with their dining and all their food was great. How about up top at the Windjammer Buffet? How was that? Uh, we only had lunch there once and we had breakfast there a couple of times. Uh, it, went, it went great. I like the fact that when you walk in, you don't just have the hand sanitizer. You actually have a washroom on both sides. So you have, I think it was five or six sinks where you can actually wash your hands and they highly encourage people to do that. They also have the hand sanitizer. They push for you to wash your hands, which was which was nice. Uh, the flow was nice. Didn't really have great advertisement as far as where you were, where the food was, what type of food was where. Um, we kind of found a hidden taco bar one day and a hidden pasta bar in the very back, but it was, everything was delicious. Everything was fresh. It wasn't huge trays of food. It was more you know, put out in small portions at you know certain times, so it didn't sit there and just bake. All together, it was great. It was kind of one one thing about the windjammer, which I've never experienced, and I'm assuming it's just because of the size of the ship. Embarkation, they actually had a pre-recorded announcement come across uh, that basically asked you to leave. Um, it was kind of weird at first, but I understood once we looked around. They were asking if you're done with your dining experience, please get up and go somewhere else is for the most part what the message said because other diners, other guests want to be able to enjoy the experience they're you're having. So that was kind of weird. They played that twice while we were sitting there. And obviously it worked because we did have a table next to us just get up and go as soon as they heard it. So right. I'm assuming it's because of the size of the ship. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. That's the first time I ever, ever uh, have heard of that happening. So I guess it does happen. Uh, as far as specialty dining, did you do any of that? The only one we did was Johnny Rockets. Our, because this is all about our son, he's a little picky on what he eats. So most of the uh, dining is, uh, you know, a little bit too uh, high gluten for his taste buds. He likes his chicken nuggets and uh, French fries. So uh-huh. um, we did the Johnny Rockets one night. You know, it was good. It, it's typical Johnny Rockets. You know, you get your free fries, your unlimited fries and onion rings at the beginning to fill you up. You get your burger, which is you know, way too big, but good enough to, to eat. But the staff there was great. I mean, once again, it's just like the dining room staff. They really kind of, the lady who was helping us just engaged with our family. And we actually saw her a couple of times at like the hot dog stand and on other days. And she remembered us and, you know, was continuing on little jokes that we had just during that one time we dined with her. So it was, it was good. What was the and upcharge? The, the dining room was, it was actually, it was complimentary for us okay. uh, because we were in the boardwalk balconies. Okay. Uh, so I believe they, they changed their price not too long ago. It used to be like $7 per person. I believe it's now $10 per person if I remember right. Um, I haven't been able to look that up since I got home, but I believe it is $10 per person, but it is all you can eat. You can order multiple hamburgers. You can order, you know, all the fries and then sides and cheese fries and everything you want. So for 10 bucks, and if one burger doesn't fill you up, you can always sit there and have another. Yeah, definitely. Let's see here. So let's talk about the sea days. And how does the ship that big handle at sea with crowds and congestion? Uh, surprisingly well. The ship does have four kind of pool areas. And the pools, I walked past the pools multiple times, and they were never overcrowded. Mm-hmm. It was always, I, I, I don't like to get into overcrowded pools. And every time I walked past the pools, there was plenty of room. I would have felt very comfortable getting in. Deck chairs, there were plenty of them everywhere. Uh, they had some in the direct sun for people who wanted to sunbathe. They had some underneath uh, overhangs. And in every corner you turned, there was a, a deck chair on the pool decks. Uh, so that you always had a place to sit. They had bartenders. They had like mobile bartenders like stations all throughout the you know, Alito deck as well. 
So you always had a drink in your hand, no matter what, if you wanted one. And same with even the uh, sports deck where the flow riders are. They have the dual flow riders, one's for boogie boarding only and one's for the stand-up. And we did both. And I don't think we waited more than 20 minutes in line to to get on either one of them. So I would have to say the longest line was probably the zip line. And that I was talking to people who were waiting in line and they didn't wait more than 20 minutes themselves. So it was, everything moved very quickly. Did you have to make reservations for those for the zip line or the flow rider? No, that no. was just uh, get in line and go. Okay, um, cool. Even like the ultimate abyss, the line, I, I think the longest we waited in the line for that was five minutes. You know, the, the line seemed as intimidating because they were kind of long, but they moved very quickly. Hmm. How was the entertainment on board this ship? Some of the best at sea. Royal Caribbean, I, I think, has, in my opinion, always had a step up on or leg up on the uh, entertainment compared to most other cruise lines over the last few years. And it was the same here. Uh, the water show, the one that you had to make reservations for was, I think it's called the Fine Line. Spectacular. Very strong, hidden message. Uh, only a couple people in our group actually kind of got the message, the, the struggle that was going on during the show. The rest of them just sat there and enjoyed it and didn't even realize what the show was truly about, but had a lot of fun watching it. So the aqua shows are are spectacular. There's two of them. One, like I said, you had reservations for, and then towards the end of the cruise, they had another one, more of a daytime show, and it was it was fun. It wasn't nearly as entertaining as the first show, but um, it was more like a throwback to the like, Havana days, like the Lucille Ball type days of uh, entertainment. It was good. Uh, we got to see Greece. For a theater at sea, you would never know you were at sea. It was uh, just as good as watching it at any uh, Broadway or you know major theater touring company. The only disappointment was probably their headliner. He was, you know, it seemed like a lot of people enjoyed the show. It just wasn't our our taste. We've kind of have an ongoing joke about the headliner for this cruise. Uh, they bring him on board for the cruise, and you know it changes pretty much every cruise. So who knows who, who's going to get uh, who when you go on, and they don't announce it until you're on board. But yeah. It was a it was a way of get away and uh, laugh a little bit. How was the cruise director on board? Um, that was one other thing I kind of missed. I missed the cruise director. Mm-hmm. I didn't even actually see or hear the cruise director until day three. We saw him at one of the shows. He came at the very end and made a quick announcement. And he didn't even announce that he was the cruise director. He just announced his name, gave us some information, and then left. It's more the cruise director. I think because it's such a large ship, he's that's his role. He's kind of coordinating everything. I'm assuming behind the scenes, he plans, it helps plan everything and make sure everything runs smoothly. But as far as engagement goes, he was really only there for a couple of you know things as far as the shows go. He had a party in the promenade at one point, but uh, you know it, I, I really couldn't tell you how he was. Huh. It, I could, I saw his staff more than I did him, and I heard his staff more than I heard him. To this day, I couldn't even tell you his name. Back to the public areas around the ship, was smoking an issue as far as like smoke wafting out of the casino? Not at all. No. The only issue that with smoking is we do have one smoker in our group that we travel with, mm-hmm. and his issue was that there was only two smoking areas. So um, the casino is on deck four, and the way the ventilation is set up, you know, our stairwell that we used most of the time to get down to deck five, which is where the promenade is, you would never even know there was a casino below you. Even walking through the casino, if unless you were walking by somebody who was actively smoking, mm-hmm. I really didn't even smell smoke in the air. It was quite nice. So that was one thing I'd have to say was was nice was the, the ventilation obviously you know stepped up the game there at the casino. Um, the other smoking area is on the pool deck, just on one side over by uh, I believe it's over by the dive shop. 
And um, even there, like I said, unless you're walking right next to somebody who is actually blowing smoke out, mm-hmm. you really didn't even smell the smoke. It, it, it was anybody who's sensitive to smoke could easily enjoy this entire ship no matter where they go. What ports of call did you hit on this seven-night sailing? And give us a highlight from each one. Uh, we did St. Martin, San Juan, and Labadee. We ended up pulling into St. Martin first. And we didn't really have anything planned other than we wanted to go to the uh, French side and do some shopping. And then we wanted to check out the planes landing over at the Sunset Bar. The island itself, you know, it's got a long ways to go. It, it was kind of sad to see the devastation still uh, compared to what it used to be. But the, the morale of the locals are is very high. It's just they're here, they're going to rebuild, and they're just hoping that this hurricane season gives them a little bit of a break so they can continue to rebuild. But we went over to the French side. Uh, the shopping area over there was still a little devastated. A lot of lot more vendors on the street because the buildings were uh, damaged. And uh, had a great lunch there with a local that's been there forever. And, you know, his entire staff was very accommodating, high spirits, just excited to see us there, which was nice to see. You know, the, we went over to Moho Beach, the Sunset Bar, and enjoyed a few drinks and, you know, watched the planes land. And they seemed to be trying to enforce the no hanging onto the fence laws, but the police never showed up despite many threats. Huh. And, uh, but it, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, but it, little, still a little sad to see some of the devastation, but I think, you know, it's just a testament to how much they need the tourists there to bring in the money. Yeah. And then you went to San Juan. How was that? Because that as well, of course, impacted by the hurricanes. Yeah. San Juan, um, you could see obviously the money really went to the port city itself, right there, right off the ports, the buildings were beautiful. Everything was very clean and put together uh, so that they obviously put their money into the tourist area itself. Uh, we ended up doing an ATV excursion there. And so we got to go about 20 minutes outside of town to a little plantation. And as you're driving through, you started seeing the devastation, you know, houses just completely destroyed the big, you know, billboards you see on the side of the freeway collapsed onto apartment buildings and just sitting there. So you still saw the devastation outside the tourist areas, but even then, you know, they seem to be slowly putting things back together. I have a friend that lives out in the mid middle part of the Island out there and his house was completely annihilated and his neighborhood is still pretty, pretty rough, but they like everything else out in the Caribbean, they all have high spirits and they're working together to try to rebuild together. But we got to the plantation and it was beautiful. Uh, we did a, about two hours of ATVing through this old sugarcane plantation that ended up in a little mojito bar, grabbed some chicken and a couple drinks, relaxed. Uh, honestly, a very good experience. Um, unfortunately, it does take the entire day in San Juan. So when we got back, it was all aboard and time for us to move on. We couldn't do any shopping or anything like that. And then your last stop was in Labadee. How was that? Labadee was great. We jumped off as soon as we could. You know, logistically, once again, the Harmony had some issues with the staff kind of moving people along in the right way. There's lines all over the place that made no sense, really irritating people trying to get off. But once you got off, you take that long walk down the pier, and um, we jumped straight onto the first shuttle that we saw. They have uh, little shuttles that will take you all over the island. 
instead of walking. And so we got to our location first and we were one of the first 10 people there and they had people on the island that were helping you set up your loungers. You know, we just tipped them out a couple bucks for helping us find the best shady spot for eight people. Mm-hmm. And it was relaxing. We, we sat over in Columbus Cove and swam and snorkeled, you know, lunch was served shortly after that. And, you know, typical barbecue Island lunch, nothing abnormal from any other Island, mm-hmm. uh, but very good. You know, we, we enjoyed it. There's, very little bugs there, which was nice. Uh, I don't know if they, you know, have some kind of system set up or it was just a good day to be there, but uh, sometimes you have to fight the bugs when you eat and on the island. And here we had no issues. It was, it was great. Awesome. It's interesting what goes into, this is totally side, side rail here, but what goes into the pest control on those islands? Like some of those yeah. cruise lines have scientists that, that study the patterns and put different um, insecticides out to kill certain species. It's really cool how it all works behind the scenes. Um, anyway, so you make your way back to Port Everglades. Um, how was your debark? It was pretty good. I mean, we I think we ran into an issue that I'm hoping most people don't. It's fairly organized as far as you know the number system goes, and we you're able to actually stay in your room later than most ships, which was nice, but. We got up, went down, grabbed our coffee, and if I remember right, we were down there right around 8.30, and we weren't expecting to debark until, I think our time was 9.45, and by 8.45, they were calling for everybody off the ship. Hmm. They kind of ran through the numbers very quickly, and the lines to get off weren't that long, honestly. I, I was kind of shocked, so I was kind of optimistic about getting off the ship early and there not being a huge line, but as soon as we got off the ship, they closed the luggage area. It was due to crowd control. There was way too many people in the luggage area. And so the authorities shut down the luggage area. So we were all crammed into hallways. And, and there's probably a good thousand people in this hallway, just shoulder to shoulder. And we were had to sit there for about 45 minutes uh, before they reopened the luggage area. So that was a little disappointing. Um, it was impressive to see them have the ship cleared by 9 a.m. But um you know, it was also cleared by 9 a.m. And unfortunately, we had to suffer in a hallway for 45 minutes, shoulder to shoulder, not moving anywhere. But um, once they opened up the luggage area, it went pretty smooth. We found our bags, got a porter. The porters were running a little behind because of the, you know, I'm assuming they were busy with the other people that were just leaving. So we had to wait a minute for a porter, but we got one. Actually, we ended up with two. And they took us to the mobile passport because Port Everglades offers the mobile passport mm-hmm. option for your customs. And they took us to that line and come to find out for some reason, they didn't tell us why they weren't using mobile passport that day. So we got a shorter line than the rest of the, of the crowd, but they were still waking us. They, we actually had to go dig into our backpacks and find our passports and pull everything out again so that we can uh, go through customs. So that was a little disappointing. And overall, from the time we uh, left the ship till we got to our the curbside waiting for our lift, it was about a total of about an hour and 10 minutes. So that was, you know, a little disappointing for that 45-minute wait. Yeah. But if you took it out, it went, it went really well. Yeah. Looking back on this cruise, give us a couple of, because um, it sounds like you certainly have a couple, um, a couple of pros and a couple of cons. Honestly, the embarkation uh, for a size, ship this size, they got it down. Just mm-hmm. everybody needs to make sure they do their pre-board check-in, take their pictures. If everybody does everything the cruise line asks, it, it's seamless. Uh, the ship flow, obviously, like I was mentioning earlier, was great. Everything moved quickly. There's a ton of things to do on, sh- on sea days. As far as 
cleanliness for 6,000 passengers, I never saw anything. I, at one point, it was kind of funny. I was walking out of a lounge holding my drink, and I was looking for a table or something to set my drink down on because it was empty. And just so happened the captain was walking by, and he actually grabbed my drink and said, I'll take care of that for you, and grabbed it and went off with it. And so it seems like it doesn't matter who you are on the ship. You're there. You're going to make sure you're picking up after the guests and you know not leaving anything behind. So it was, it was very nice to see that you know, entertainment best at sea, I think right now. We did have a little issue with our uh, rooms. Uh, there were some pills found in my son's room and, you know, our room attendant was a little uh, rude to my wife and I at first. And I wasn't even trying to make a big deal out of it. I just asked them to reclean my room, my son's room and just talk to the, our room attendant. I wasn't asking for anything more. And towards the end of the ship where the crew, they offered us uh, future cruise credit just for the hassle so you know royal caribbean really seems to have uh the guest experience in mind um unfortunately on the downside you know the bartenders weren't quite trained properly uh we never got a uh, drink poured the same way twice even with the bionic bar which was kind of weird i ordered the exact same drink twice and one time it was over poured with it was pretty much all vodka and a splash of orange juice and the first one was done perfect for a screwdriver so and that was even at the Bionic Bar, but the bartenders had some issues um, logistically. Like I was mentioning, lines around the ship. There's no staff telling people where to go, mm-hmm. no sign telling people where to go to uh, get off the ship for when you're in port. So it's kind of you have to be a little patient there. And then elevators. The, for as many people on the ship, they're cramming people into these elevators. There's no ventilation at all. So if you're going more than three decks, you know you're you walk off dripping in sweat. Everybody was complaining there's no ventilation in the elevators. Uh, it was very hot. But other than that, I mean, I wish there was a few more activities at night. Um, there seemed to be a lack of activities around the dinner time area. But um, all in all, honestly, the, the cruise was great. I missed the sea views, but my son and the kids didn't. Mm-hmm. You don't get very many sea views on the ship. You have to really hunt them out. But it was a smooth ride. We actually had a, some fairly large swells at one point, and I couldn't even feel it. So... If you're kind of worried about being seasick and you're a first-time cruiser, definitely go for a larger ship like this. I find the larger ships, you don't get the motion. And even with the swells we were having, we were having like five, six-foot swells, which you would usually feel on the smaller ship. And it, this was just gliding smooth. It was quite nice. All right. Well, final thoughts of Harmony of the Seas. Get on. Um, if you are a traditional cruiser and have never been on a large ship, go in with an open mind. You know, don't expect to be able to just sit and watch the the water go by, but enjoy what they have to offer and look for some of the things that you don't normally see on cruise ships. Uh, I forgot to mention, we did the tri-dive on this cruise and that was a fun experience. You, You know, for those who aren't certified in scuba, you get to put on all the gear and swim around the pool and see how it feels to scuba dive and a lot of people don't even realize it was an option on this ship. They, they saw us and we were walking up asking questions. So, um, Explore the ship. Don't be afraid to walk into rooms that seem to be closed off because of an event going on. Uh, we walked into a few different areas where there was live music and it wasn't even advertised in the uh, cruise compass. So definitely explore. Don't don't be afraid and don't just get stuck to one area of the ship. Very good. Parker, thanks for sharing your review, buddy. Thank you. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? 
Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.